Oh, I feel the presence of God in this place this morning. I feel the presence of God in this place today. Some of y'all have been longing for this. Some of y'all have been hungry for this. Some of y'all have been starving for the presence of God like this this morning. Don't let this moment pass you by. We don't have to have any other agenda this morning. Let's just let God love on us for a little bit. How many of you would say, Pastor Josh, you know what? I've had some crazy stuff going on in my life the last this little season. It's been crazy. It's been chaotic. I need God to move in my life. I need God to move in my finances. I need a touch of God on my body to heal me. How many of you would say, I need God to do something powerful in my life in this season? Let's just lift up our hands and let's just let him do it now. Let's let him do it now in his presence, in this place. Father, we exalt you. Lord, we lift you up. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, in your presence. For those in the house this morning and for those watching online, Lord, that you move powerfully in our lives. Lord, I ask, Lord, that you provide financially for those that need it. Lord, your word says that you're our provider. Lord, your word says that if we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, Lord, that you'll add all this stuff to our lives. You'll give us what we need for life, Lord. So, Father, we stand on the truth of your word this morning. And we believe for you to provide for us, Lord, as we put you first in our lives. Lord, be our provider. Father, some of us need healing this morning. Some of us here, some of us watching online. The last time I checked, you weren't confined just because somebody prayed within the walls of a building, Lord. You can go across distances, Father, and heal people. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray healing right now. Come on, church, let's pray. We pray healing right now over every person that needs a touch from you today, Father. Lord, we speak to the bodies of those people that are sick right now. Lord, we speak healing in the name of Jesus. Father, your word says that by your stripes... Lord, we are healed. Jesus, you died on the cross. One of the reasons was to set us free from disease and sickness. Father, we claim that in the name of Jesus, Lord, and we speak healing over ourselves. Lord, we speak healing for the people that are represented online or for the people in this building. Lord, we speak healing in the name of Jesus. Lord, there's so many of us trying to find direction right now because of the craziness that's going on in this world. Lord, I ask, Father, Lord, that you impart your spirit's wisdom. Lord, your word says that we could ask for wisdom and you would freely give it. Lord, your word says that wisdom is actually one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Father, we ask for wisdom right now in decisions that we're facing, choices that we're having to make, God, trying to figure out what's going on in this season of life. Father, I pray, Lord, that you pour your wisdom over your people and speak with clarity, Father, concerning your will for their lives. God, I praise you for your presence that's in this place today. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this house today. You're worthy. You're worthy. Just one more time, let's slip up that hand. Let's forget about what's going on around us. Everyone at home who's watching online, just forget about what's going on in the room around you. Let's just focus on the Lord. Father, we give you glory. We give you praise. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. 
God, we thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. Lord, I thank you for what you're gonna do in our lives today. Lord, I thank you that, that part, of, part of your love for us is that you don't give up on us and you don't leave us where we are, that you're always trying to grow and mature and sharpen us and shape us into that person that you've called us to be and you never give up on us. You're always loving and patient and as long as we're willing to get back up and take another step, you're right there to help us along the way. Father, I ask that you speak to us this morning. Father, grow us in your presence. Lord, make us a little bit more like you today. Lord, I pray that the preaching of the word doesn't stop your presence in this place and it doesn't break up the flow of what's happening. Father, it's, it's my desire that it continues to flow in the atmosphere of praise that I feel in this place, Father. I believe you've got something powerful to speak to us this morning. And we give you praise for it. We give you honor for it. You alone are worthy, Father. You alone are worthy, Lord Jesus. In the house and online right now, if we could, let's just give God a shout of praise because he's worthy. He's worthy. He alone is worthy of praise and glory and honor. He alone is worthy. He is worthy. Uh, you can be seated in the presence of God this morning. I want to pray over us one more time as we get ready to transition the service. Heavenly Father, I thank you again, Lord, for what you're doing in this place, for your presence that's in the house this morning. Lord, we ask that you speak to us clearly from your word. Father, I pray that not one person would leave here today the same way that we walked in. Me included, Father. Lord, grow us closer to you. Lord, make us a sharper tool in your hand to be used to reach this world for your kingdom. Father, we give you all the glory and we give you all the praise for what is a powerful day in your presence and what's going to continue to be a powerful day in your presence, God. Speak to us. Lord, give me the words to say and how to say it to speak the very words of life over the people. In your name, amen and amen. Oh, Eastgate Church, you look beautiful today. You look beautiful today. It's been a little while since I've seen you. I snuck in service last week, but Pastor Jeremy was preaching. And I tell you what, didn't Pastor Jeremy do a phenomenal job preaching and not just filling in the church, but he did a great job leading the church while I was out of town on my little sabbatical break. You know, it's important um, as, as a pastor and as a leader in the kingdom of God, it's incredibly important to take time to get away and be undistracted to hear from God and, and seek his face and rest and spend time with family. Because uh, if you don't, man, I tell you what, your body and your mind can get worn out doing all the spiritual work. You know, we're a three-part being. We're a body, we're a soul, and we're a spirit. And that spirit can be on fire, but that soul and your mind, your will, and your emotions and your body can get tired doing all of that stuff. And sometimes it's important to take a break, you know, and the Lord set that example for us in the Sabbath you know, it's important to take a break every week and just rest in the presence of God and rest your body and rest your mind and be able to unplug. And uh, Jesus set that example for us. And it was a blessing to be able to get away and just spend time in the presence of God. Thank you guys so much for letting me be able to do that, for the staff and the leadership, for leading along the way, for Pastor Jeremy for leading uh, in my absence. And I uh, have heard nothing but great testimonies of the word that was preached presence of God in the place. and uh, But I got to tell you the truth. 
I miss you guys a little bit. I miss y'all a little bit. So glad, so glad to be here today. So glad so many of y'all showed up today. You know, the crazy thing in this, this whole pandemic and COVID-19, uh, church attendance has been this crazy roller coaster, depending on what's happening in the news week to week, you know, but it's so encouraging and such a blessing to see so many people here today and you guys watching online. Hey, let's give a big welcome to everyone watching the live stream this morning. Can we do that, Eastgate Church? Hey, welcome. We love you guys. Thank you for checking in. I know some of you are just watching and checking out the ministry of the church, and some of you guys are being cautious because you're at risk with your health, and you want to operate with wisdom to be able to make sure that you know, you're, you're taken care of, and there's nothing wrong with that. Praise God we're able to stream our service and be able to share the ministry with you like this. Um, glad that you're joining us this morning. Again, I'll echo what Pastor Kelly said. If you get a chance, remember to like and share the live stream so that we can get the word out there um, and reach as many people as we possibly can. Today, we are starting a brand new series on the book of Revelation. Incredibly excited about this. The Lord has been speaking to me for about the last three months concerning this series, and I can't wait to get into it. But I know with the book of Revelation, sometimes there's a lot of questions, you know, and there can be some confusion with some of the in imagery that's in there and, and some of uh, what is spoken about. And so there's a lot of questions. Sometimes there's confusion. So what we want to do is, as we go through this series, like Pastor Kelly mentioned earlier, is to make it interactive and to build in a live Q&A format as we go through this series. So what we want to do is make, uh, make it available to you to be able to ask questions as you might have them, whether you're watching online or you're in-house, I'm going to ask the media team to put that information back up again. If, if a question would happen to just pop into your mind today at any point, um, go ahead and ask that question, and we'll either answer some of them at the end of service today, or we'll answer them you know, in service next week. We're going to cover as many questions as we possibly can, but what you're going to want to do is go to slido.com, and there'll be a space for you to enter in an event code, and you'll just put that little code in, and it'll take you right to... Um, a little discussion forum where you can put in your question, and we'll see those questions, and we'll, we'll address them as we can. So you can do it right now, watching online. You can do it later today if you want to. Uh, do it right now in service. But I would encourage you, as the questions pop in your head, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes those things pop in, and they shoot right out, like pew, pew, just like that. So um, don't miss the opportunity. To, uh, to put in a question, if you have one. So we want to make sure that the book of Revelation is not mysterious, that it's not confusing, that it makes sense, and actually it's incredibly practical to us as believers, okay? So we want to make that available to you, so don't forget that. We may put that up um, at the end of service, too, just in case you have some questions. We'll make sure that we address those. The book of Revelation. Today I want to share with you a message that's entitled, See the End Game. See the End Game. Now, if you've got your Bibles or your tablet or whatever you're using nowadays, go open them up to the book of Revelation, chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 1. It says, The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. Now, quick questions as we dissect this verse while it's still up on the screen. Who is the book of Revelation from? 
from Jesus, right? Who did Jesus give it to? He gave it to John. How did Jesus give it to John? Revelation from Jesus, which God gave him to show his servants what seemed place place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. Um, little thing right off the get-go. Did you know that even after the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, who speaks to us and teaches us and guides us, that God still chooses to send angels, even with all of that, to bring messages to people. Isn't that neat? Isn't that neat? So the Lord, speaking to John about things that were going to soon take place. How many of y'all have ever seen any of the Avenger movies? Anybody? You see those Avengers? I love the Avenger movies. I absolutely love them. I've watched every single one of them. Every single one of them. And... I, I got to tell you, like, how many of y'all have seen Avengers Endgame? You can't be an Avengers fan or a Marvel fan without seeing Avengers Endgame. Yeah, or Infinity War and then ending in Endgame. Uh, I brought a picture of that that they're going to be putting up on the screen for you. Avengers Endgame. That movie right there, I was so excited for this movie when it came out. I was like a kid waiting on Christmas. I don't know you comic book people are like that, man. I love comic book movies, and I love Marvel movies. And this movie was coming out, and I was like, oh, my gosh. How are they going to wrap up all of this stuff that they left hanging in Avengers Infinity War? You know, because if you haven't watched it yet, look, I'm just going to tell you, sorry, you should have watched it by now. I'm going to throw out some spoilers. It's been a minute since these movies have come out. But at the end of Infinity War, like Thanos got the snap off and he wiped out half of all creation, you know, throughout the universe. And most of the superheroes that were fighting this dude just disappeared into dust. Just, and they're gone. And I was like, what? What? Not Spider-Man. Are you kidding me? What Spider-Man and not all these people. And I was like, not Black Panther. Are you kidding me? But I knew that they're probably going to be bringing Black Panther back because they had just made a Black Panther movie that made over a billion dollars. And I was like, there's no way they're going to leave that much money hanging out there. You know, they're going to bring that Joker back in a movie. But it was like, how are they going to tie all this stuff together and make all this stuff work out in the end? And the first time I went to see the movie... It was insane. You guys are watching it. You remember it's like this emotional roller coaster because characters were like sacrificing themselves for other people and you're trying to figure out what was going to happen next and how they were actually going to save the day. And because it was like they only had like a one shot in over 14 million, you know, according to, to Dr. Strange. And, and they, were, they were trying to, to figure it, fight and do all this. And the final battle scene happened where they were lining up against Thanos and his army. And then the portals opened and all the superheroes started shooting back through. Y'all remember that? And I was like, ah, here comes the band is back together again. And we're going to have a big final battle. You know, it was just so cool to watch it all happen. I was so caught up emotionally. And what was going on in that movie, because I couldn't wait to see what was going to happen. But the second time I watched the movie, it was different, because I went back and watched it a second time. How many of y'all saw Avengers Endgame a couple of times? Yeah, I saw it a couple of times. <laughs> I, th I think I saw it three times in the theater, because uh, I love that movie. But I went back the second time, and I watched it, and it was different. It was the different the second time because... 
I knew how the movie was going to end. I knew who was going to win. I knew who was going to lose. I knew how the battle was going to play out. So the second time I went in to watch, I was just watching for like Easter eggs and all the hidden stuff that they put in to tie all the movies together that you kind of miss the first time because you're caught up in the storyline. And so the second time I wasn't so much caught up in all of that because I knew no matter what happened to the characters in the movie, no matter who had to sacrifice themselves, no matter who paid the ultimate price along the way, the movie was going to end up the same way over and over and over again. didn't matter because the ending was set. What Jesus is doing with the book of Revelation is this, guys. He is letting us know how this is going to end. I'm going to ask you one more time, media team, to put... Revelation 1 back up there. Larry, if you will, I'm scared to talk loud because I feel like the subs are going to blow people's ears away right now. Bring me down. Revelation 1.1 1, 1 says, The revelation from Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. Jesus is showing us what is going to take place. Listen to me now. So that we don't get caught up in the storyline of what's happening, but that we can disconnect from it and know with confidence how this thing is going to end up when it's all said and done. Okay, And I think that he did this for a couple of reasons. One is because like traditionally us as people, we don't have the best track record when it comes to paying attention and staying focused spiritually. I mean, I don't know how it's been in your life, but I hadn't always had the best track record. And if you look at the Bible, uh, the children of Israel... Not the best example in keeping focus and doing what God told them to do. They couldn't even do a quick walk from Egypt to the promised land without getting distracted and arguing and all of that stuff, you know. And then like all through Israel's history, God would say, I want you to do this and worship me. And they would say, awesome, for a little while. And then they'd get distracted. And then they'd drift away. And he'd have to bring them back into focus, you know. So as far as track record goes, we don't have, like, I can't even watch a movie at my house, y'all, without, like, I'll sit down and watch a movie with Kelly, and my phone will ding, and I'll look over and say, oh, I got a text message, so I'll respond real fast, and then I'll think, oh, you know what, I need to remember to, to do this uh, tomorrow, so I'll put a reminder in my phone, and then the next thing you know, 10 minutes later, while the movie's going, like, I'm surfing on Facebook, trying, looking at at pictures of dogs riding motorcycles and stuff like that, completely distracted from the movie that I was watching. Anybody else ADD like that? Man, I had a hard time focusing on that stuff sometimes. So God knew that we were going to need some help. So he put the book of Revelation into the Bible to bring focus and clarity so that we would know when all this craziness is breaking loose in the world, how this was going to end up so that we could stay focused on the mission that he's called us to as believers and as a church. Right? That's why he did it. Uh, the, the, I think the second reason would be because we've got an enemy out there who is crazy tricky. He's really good at deceiving people. He is really good in the art of deception. And he's really good at manipulating circumstances and world events and, and getting us distracted just from what's going on in our personal lives, much less what's going on on a world stage, you know. Um, he, he's busy. 
doing all of that. And so Jesus put in a, a little safeguard there and he said, listen, I want to help you guys stay focused and I want to show you what's going to happen so that when you see it, you don't buy into the deception that the enemy is going to be throwing people so that you can stay focused and do what I've called you to do. Make sense? The enemy's real tricky, uh, and I wanted to give you an example of how tricky he is. Like, he manipulates uh, truth. He manipulates situations and circumstances. But I need someone to help me with this illustration this morning. Can I get a brave volunteer from the crowd this morning to come up here and help me? I'm going to pick one, and then you can't say no because it's going to be led by the Holy Ghost. I need somebody. One, two, any volunteers? Ah, Miss Brenda. Come on, girl. Give it up for Miss Brenda as she comes up here. Come on up here this morning. Welcome, my friend. Now, Brenda's wearing a mask because she wants to be safe and not spread germs or catch germs. Come on up over here. Stand on the side of this table. I got a riddle I want to tell you, and I want to see if you can solve it. Most people can't, so don't feel bad if you can't do it. But you guys are going to help Brenda out this morning, right? Okay, I want to show you how tricky and crafty the devil can be. All right, this is called the mystery of the two dollars. The mystery of the two dollars. All right, here's the riddle. Here's the problem. You're going to have to do math this morning. Sorry, you're going to have to do math, so maybe some of y'all need to take an extra shot of your coffee before we get into this today. All right, so three friends, they go out to, to lunch. They eat their lunch. And the bill for their lunch is $26. Each of them pays $10. $10 each for their meal. Okay? That's a total of $30. $26 is the bill. They're paying $30 for the food. So they pay $30. Their server comes back and gives them the change. $4. They're big spenders, these guys. So they decide to tip the server a dollar. All right? So they give a dollar to the server. So they're left with $3. All right? Bill is 26. They pay $10 each. Three times 10 is 30. They get $4 back in change. They tip their server a dollar. They get $3 back. A dollar for each one of them. Now, if they pay $10 each and they're getting a dollar back, then how much is each person paying for their meal? 10 minus 1 is what? 9. 9. So that's the first question. So 10 minus 1 is 9. So they're paying $9 for their meal. Listen, check this out. Though. This is where it gets tricky, all right? 9 times 3 is what? It's 27. Okay, $9 each for each one of the, per the people that ate the meal, $27 for all three of them. If they tipped the server a dollar, that only comes up to $28 total. Where did the other $2 go? You want to walk through it again? <laughs> Brenda's like, Pastor Josh, I'm going to get you after service. Brought me up here and asked me this question. You guys follow it? Where'd the $2 go? I'm missing $2. $10 a piece for the mill. $4 back. They tip the server a dollar. That leaves them with a dollar a piece. 
it comes back to them. So that's $9 a piece that they put in. But nine times three total is 27 plus the dollar that they gave to the server is $28. So where'd the $2 go? Somebody took the $2. <laughs> somebody, she said somebody took the $2. <laughs> man, man, did anybody catch what I did there? Does anybody know where the missing $2 is? In their pocket. Somebody said in their pocket. I'll give you a clue. It has nothing to do with taxes. Nothing to do with taxes. Okay, the dollar amounts exchanged or the dollar amounts exchanged. Maybe you guys online have probably figured it out by now. Hey, if you think you have, go ahead and put what you think might be the answer in the comments. We'll see if you're right or not. So here's the deal. Where do those $2 go? See, I have thrown so many numbers and scenarios at Brenda right now. And I did it so confidently and so quickly and so incrementally that you didn't even catch the deception and what I was saying. I completely led her astray by what I was saying. I deceived her. I gave her some misinformation. I didn't change the money amounts, I just changed how I was telling her about the money amounts. The money total hasn't changed. Hasn't changed. There's still $30 paid by the guys for a $26 bill that they got $4 back for. All the money's represented. All the money's represented. $4 change, one to the server, one to each person. Where I got tricky was I started doing nine times three and threw her off the trail of the total number. I still used the numbers, but I changed the way I was representing the figures. And I gave a little bit of deception into a scenario and created some confusion. And that's just how the devil works. He'll change just a little bit and get you confused on something that could be a simple math problem, a simple scenario in life, a simple world event, and he'll throw in his little twist and deceive. And y'all are playing cool, but I know because I peeked and I saw your faces and I can still smell the smoke from your brains turning and gearing and trying to figure this out. I trick most of the people in this room. And probably most of the people online were just a quick little deception. That's how the enemy works to create and, and foster the chaos and the division. Now, Brenda, you are a good guinea pig this morning. Thank you so much. I got something for you for helping me out with my illustration this morning. Here's $30 to bless you. So God bless you, and thank you for being an awesome help in the kingdom of God. Right. Now give it up for Brenda this morning. You can go grab a seat. Thank you. But that's how the enemy works, man. He is so tricky and so slick. Why do you say all that, Pastor Josh? Well, because I see the enemy working double time in the world today. He's manipulating and he's twisting and he's doing his deception thing already in world events that are happening today. And if we're not careful and if we, if we lose sight of what Jesus is telling us just at the beginning of the book of Revelation that I'm giving this to you so that you know what's coming up. I'm letting you know what's going on before it happens. Okay, We'll lose sight of that and get caught up in all the chaos and deception that's happening in the world today. And as the church, we're called to be separate from that. Amen? We're called to be focused on what God is doing. I remember three months ago, 
the Lord spoke to me and laid it on my heart that in the month of August, we were going to do this series, or at least start this series on the book of Revelation. Um, and he was just sharing with me just through what's happening with COVID-19 and the, just the craziness in the world with the racial tensions that are in especially the U.S. right now with all the craziness that is ensuing and about to be dialed up to 11 through this election period that we're in in our country. Man, if you think it's crazy now, just get ready, okay? With all of this stuff going on, he said, my church is going to be distracted and divided. And they're going to become ineffective and unproductive. And I want you to bring my church back to focus and to prepare them for the chaos that they are about to see so that they don't lose focus on who I've called them to be and what I've called them to do and the task that I've given my church in this world. So that's not just for the capital C church in America or in the world. It's just for us here at Eastgate Church too. Okay, We have got to make sure that we stay focused. So the book of Revelation does a few things for us. Uh, the book of Revelation, one of the main things that it does is it gives us an eternal perspective on temporary issues. The book of Revelation gives us an eternal perspective on temporary issues. That's incredibly important because all the craziness that you see happening in the world right now, temporary issues. Okay, who gets elected in America this year to be president of the United States and all the other monkeys and, and animals and giraffes that get elected into their office too to do all the crazy zoo stuff the politicians do. Listen, all of it is temporary. It's temporary. It's important for us to keep an eternal perspective through this whole thing. Barna Research Group is like where you go if you're a pastor or a church leader to get information and statistics and polls and surveys on particularly church-related things. That's like where you go to for all information related to church. And so they have, over the last few months, been tracking some information, and some of it is kind of sobering. And I wanted to share this to you because I want to show you just how distracted the church has become in this country. Okay, so recent news that they've just shared since the beginning. If you don't remember when COVID, not like the, the news broke in the States that, hey, this thing is probably pretty serious. We're gonna need to shut everything down to flatten the curve, to slow down the spread of this virus so that we can take some pressure off of our medical professionals so they can treat the, the vulnerable people that are gonna have to be put into the hospital. That was the whole point of it, flatten the curve, try to slow it down. We know we're not gonna be able to stop the spread of it. It's not going to go away. It's always going to be here until maybe one day they'll come up with a cure, but they're gonna, I don't know. It, that, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But the, the point was to take pressure off the medical professionals so that they could breathe and not be overwhelmed by the people that were incredibly vulnerable to the virus and needing to be hospitalized. So we had to shut down everything, including church. Online church exploded. Everybody was streaming online then. Praise God, we were able to get our live stream up and still be able to minister to the church and the community through it, you know. Um, 
And so everybody was focused on online ministry. But after a couple of weeks of the church going online, you know what happened? <whistles> Listen to these numbers. After a few weeks, according to Barna, over 50%, over 50% of church attenders had not watched an online service from their church or any church in over a month. They just unplugged. They just unplugged from it. They said that as it progressed, they began to see that right at just 40% of people that had attended church and began watching church online, as this thing progressed, only 40% of people reported watching an online service at least once every four weeks. It's a huge disconnect in the church world that happened not too long after COVID-19 began to do its thing. That leaves just 10% of church attenders or people watching online that at least watched the live stream of their church more than once a month. Isn't that crazy? Huge disconnect. They began to see that church attenders became incredibly disconnected from their church, not just in viewing things online, but, um, but in giving and support of the ministries and volunteering and serving. The church saw an incredible falling away during that period, in part because we had to close the doors on so many campuses and go to a virtual type service, but they saw a huge financial disconnect too in people that used to support the churches financially. As the racial tensions began to do their thing, they noticed that the hit that churches were taking financially and all the craziness that's going on in the world, they noticed over the months that churches did not recover, they weren't recovering, or they were recovering incredibly slow from the financial impact of COVID-19. So they began to see a separation between the financial impact on the economy and people's readiness to continue to support the ministries of the church. Jobs started coming back. Relief money started coming in. Businesses started opening back up. A lot of people started going back to work. There's still a little bit of a gap there, but they did not see a significant change in income coming into churches like us personally. We took a 30% hit in our church income at the beginning of COVID-19, like five or six months ago, however long it was. But we have not seen really a recovery of that. It lined out at that, but there hasn't been a steady comeback, a recovery in finances. And we're just mirroring what a lot of people are seeing in other churches is that there's been a falling away of people from the church and a disconnect from people of the church. And it doesn't look like a majority of them are coming back. Listen to this. Trackable numbers are showing right now, now that churches are opening, and, and, and this is coming from Barna, that before COVID-19, one-third, listen to me now, one-third of the people that went to church before COVID-19 no longer are in church. 
I want to say that again, and I want you to hear me. That is an incredible falling away from the church in this country. One-third. That's 33 out of every 100 people that attend church have stopped coming to church altogether. Not even occasional. We're not even getting into the occasionally tiptoeing back in or soft commitments to this, that, and the other. And, and all of that speaks volumes to people's spiritual conditions. One-third of previous church attenders no longer attend church. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. That speaks of a church that is spiritually flatlined, or at least those people spiritually flatlined. That speaks of a church that is incredibly distracted from the call of God on their lives. To see that big of a falling away in that short of a time, the only thing that's changed are some situations and circumstances. Last time I checked, God is still on his throne. Amen. Last time I checked, God is still in control of situations. Last time I checked, God still has a call on each one of our lives to reach as many people as we possibly can for Jesus while there is breath in our lungs. He's got a calling and a purpose for every one of us. And none of that goes away depending on what's happening in the world. It doesn't. How we view the world then becomes incredibly important. I got a pair of sunglasses and I look cool with them. At least my kids told me I look cool. I might look goofy. I don't know. Kelly kissed me when I had them on. But I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes that means I look really good. And sometimes that means I look goofy enough to be cute. So she kisses me because I'm trying to be cute. So I don't know how all that works. <laughs> but these glasses, the lenses, create a filter with which I see the room. And I see what's going on around me. When the sun is bright, I can see things, you know, um, that, that I wouldn't normally be able to see because the sun's too bright for me to see. I wear my sunglasses at night. can do that too. Good old 80s song. How we visualize and how we filter things, how we see things from our perspective is incredibly important. Now, as a Christian, y'all still with me? Right, as a Christian... We are called by God to see things through a certain lens and a certain filter. Pastor Josh, you're not talking a whole lot about the book of Revelation. I'm talking a whole lot about the book of Revelation right now. And we're just a paragraph into it. Okay, We're called to see the world through a certain lens and a certain filter. We're called to see the world through biblical principles from the word of God. Okay, That we use to respond and to react and to handle the issues of life that we face. Our finances, biblical principles. How we deal with people that do us wrong, we go to Matthew 18, biblical principles. We apply that, and that's how we operate our lives. We live our lives by the truth of the Word of God. So if the Bible says we're supposed to do it, that's the filter that we submit ourselves to, and we live our lives according to the Word of God to please the heart of our Father plus to protect us from a whole lot of heartache that he doesn't want us to have to endure, okay? The second filter is this, and it ties to that one, is that we see the world and we respond to the world through the filter of biblical principles out of an eternal perspective and knowing how all of this is going to tie together and how all of this is going to play out. 
So we see what we're dealing with in the world and we react to it biblically, but we know that everything that we see is temporary. And when it's all said and done, we're going to be ruling and reigning with Christ for eternity. That this world is going to pass away, that the political craziness is going to pass away, that we're never going to have to pay taxes again. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. We're never going to have to deal with sickness. We're never going to have to deal with taking 15 minutes when we wake up in the morning to make sure we let all our joints pop and start to get loose and all this stuff before we can move around because we're going to have a new body, a heavenly body in the image of God. We know that's how we're going to spend eternity. So we use the filters of biblical truth and eternal perspective to keep us from being ensnared by the traps and the lies of the enemy that he's so good at trying to set to distract the people of God. I'm finding, though, especially during this season, more so than usual, like in pastor world, you, you see different seasons where you have to step in and, and be a shepherd and help encourage people to keep them on track and help offset some things that happen in culture. That's called being a good leader, being a good pastor, and me doing what the Word of God tells me to do. Sometimes in seasons you have to do that, but in this season, I have seen people just go all over the map with their focus and with the filters that they're looking at life through. And it never ceases to amaze me how clever the enemy is to lead us down a path of passion and get us to the point where we become what the Bible calls self-deceived, where we don't even realize how far off in left field we become spiritually because we're blind to it, because we, through the process of following his deception, has convinced ourselves that we're following a true path that doesn't line up with what the Bible says, okay? See, a lot of people looking at life through illegitimate filters right now. I want to walk through a few of them that will probably ring true with you right now. A lot of people are looking at life right now and looking at the world right now through a filter of red and blue. And that looks like this. It looks like Republican elephants and Democrat donkeys. And everything in life is going through that filter It's alarming to me how many pastor friends I have talked to that have told me about how divided their church is becoming over political issues right now. Instead of uniting behind what God has called us to do as a church in reaching this world for Jesus. As a Christian, listen to me now, your filter for this world it's not supposed to be red, and it's not supposed to be blue. Okay? Your filter for this world is supposed to be the cross of Jesus Christ, the Word of God, what He's called you to do, and the eternal perspective that urges us to carry out the mission that God has called us to carry out as His church, red and blue. What are we going to do, guys? Close the doors to everybody that doesn't vote like we vote? What are we going to do? Say, because you don't see this issue the way that I see this issue, you're not worthy of the blood of Jesus that I claim for my life? Is that what we're going to do? 
See, as Christians, we can't do that. We don't get to decide who comes in the door and who doesn't come into the door. The last time I checked, Jesus said that he gave his life for whosoever would believe in him. It doesn't matter which way they vote. It doesn't matter if they vote red or if they vote blue or vote somewhere in the middle. It doesn't matter. Listen, the church doesn't have to have unison on political issues in order to operate in unity on biblical truth. We've got to be better than this as a church. We've got to be better than this. So we see life through this filter. Well, all liberals are idiots. Okay, great. You just alienated about half the country that you said you're never going to be able to reach for Jesus Christ because you're calling them idiots. How are you going to accomplish the Great Commission with that kind of bitterness and filter in your life? <laughs> Biblical truth. Well, Republicans are just, well, how many now? Just half the country probably, a little more than. Are you going to be able to reach? How can you carry out the Great We're going to carry out the Great Commission just for people to vote the way that we vote? Yeah, that's the example that Jesus said. I remember that now. Because Jesus always went to people that were just like him. Jesus went to tax collectors. Jesus went to sinners. This is the Jesus that went to Samaria and talked to the Samaritan woman that Jews did not go and talk to anybody. They didn't talk to anybody from Samaria because culturally you were unclean just for breathing the same air that a Samaritan would breathe. And Jesus said, yeah, they need some love too. So he walked right over there, plopped down by the well and ministered to a hoe. Because she needed to know about the love of God. Okay, church, how distracted are we gonna let ourselves be? Okay, we don't get the right to choose. We're not sitting on the throne of God that God sits on. We don't get to choose who gets salvation and who doesn't. We don't get to choose who comes in the door of the church and who doesn't. And we don't have the right to sit in judgment on people when we should be operating in love, trying to reach the lost for Jesus Christ. All right? Enough of that division in the church. Capital C Church, but I'm just going to be the truth and I'm going to be the pastor, okay? There's enough of that silliness going on in this church too. We need to be focused on who God has called us to reach. End of story. And it's just that simple. If I show you this picture that I'm fixing to show you, and it's coming and it's coming. Now, how does that make you feel? I tell you how it makes me feel. It makes me it makes me sad because I'm looking at people that may not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I think it's important that they do. I see two people that Jesus died for. Regardless of the condition of their heart right now. If I show you this picture that they're about to put up how do you feel? Pastor Josh, who do you see? I see two people that need to know Jesus. Because if they don't, they're going to spend eternity in hell. And I see two people that my Lord and my Savior gave the last drop of his blood for. Just like he did you and just like he did me. See, the Bible says that we're supposed to pray for our leaders 
and pray for those who are in authority. And I get, look, I get being engaged in current events because you need to be. I think you're a fool if you're not. I, I completely understand being involved in a political process because I think a lot of our freedom as a body of Christ hinges on how elections go. I get that. But, but that's not the main thing. The main thing is reaching this world for Jesus. Amen? Now, if I show you this picture, I know nobody has an opinion on this. Do we wear a mask or don't we wear a mask? See, a lot of people caught up in this. I've seen a lot of discussion on Facebook, and I'm not even going to mention the, the drug that starts with the letter H that may or may not be able to fix uh, the COVID-19 virus, and nobody knows for sure one way or the other, depending on what forum you look at on Facebook. Um, and some of y'all right now want to come talk to me and prove to me that you know the truth because this is just consuming you right now. <clears throat> These are cultural issues that are happening, okay? This is not the end game. Filters are incredibly important, ladies and gentlemen, and we have to make sure that we're seeing the world through the correct filter. And it's not just political issues or, you know, uh, issues like that. And these things are important because I think we need to find responsible ways to take care of this so that we can get society back to some kind of normal if for no other reason so that we as a church can reach people at the level that we were reaching and even above and beyond that. Um, right now, COVID-19 is kind of trying to dampen that. And man, it's just, I'm ready for this to be gone so we can reach a ton of people without having to have incredible considerations for safety and precautions. Um, but it's not just stuff like this. I'm seeing a lot of things pop up. Depending on the filters that you're looking at life through and issues through, you're seeing a lot of social injustice take the center stage in America right now and in the church in America right now. And so I'm gonna show you this graph that I brought this morning. Um, and it's not that these issues don't need to be talked about because they do. And I think that as a Christian, listen now, we're biblically required to speak into these issues and to do things to correct them. Okay? The, what I am seeing happening, though, in, in churches across the country and, 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 and people in, in this area is that we are becoming consumed with cause over the blanket calling of God. For the church, and I'll, tell you, I'll explain to you what I mean. Depending on the filter that you look at social issues through, the correct way to view it is this, is that God created mankind in his image and in his likeness. Can we agree on that? Amen. We are all created in the image of God. Because we're created in the image of God, all life has value. Okay? All life has value because we're created in the image of God. Now, this is how this works, okay? Because we're created in the image of God and all life has value, if you go down to abortion, an unborn child's life has value because all life has value because we're created in the image of God. Does that make sense? Okay. People that die of hunger and poverty, their lives have value because all lives have value because we're created in the image of God. Now, all of these social issues, and we could put child sex trafficking in there too, um, 
right now because that's a, you know what, I'm grateful that that's getting pushed to the forefront again uh, right now because that's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible, and it needs to be dealt with. But here's the thing that we don't realize, okay? All of these injustices, and these, this is just the tip of the iceberg that I have listed here. All of them, listen now, under the gospel, in a biblically correct filter and view, all of them are equally important, and all of them have equal value. Not one of them is more important than the other. So life has value because we're created in the image of God, and Jesus died for all mankind. Okay? He gave his life for all of us. So now we're not just motivated in principle, but we're motivated by the gospel. And because Jesus died for me, now I am motivated not just to step into the injustices of the world and not just feed the hungry, but to feed the hungry and let them know about the Jesus that has died for them, bringing the gospel. So you don't just meet a physical need, you meet a spiritual need because we're motivated to step into these issues through the filters that we have in the Word of God. So racism, same thing. All lives have value because we're created in the image of God and all lives are important because Jesus died for all of them. Now, within these categories, though, are subcategories that you have to look at because if that's true, then black lives have value. Okay, and if black lives have value, then white people have value. If white people have value, then Oriental people have value. Okay, then Mexican people have value. Then people of Indian culture have value. All cultures, all colors have value under that. And as long as we stay there, then we're good. The way this is supposed to work is... We are motivated from these principles because Jesus died for us to speak into these areas of injustice, motivated by the gospel to meet the need, to give the gospel, to create a platform by meeting the need, to spread the gospel so that by reaching down from the gospel, we point people back up to the gospel with what we do in addressing these injustices. Does that make sense? Okay, and as long as everything stays in its place and everything stays in balance, we're good. The trouble occurs when somebody looks at issues through the wrong filter and they become consumed by passion with what they view as a legitimate issue in society and there's nothing wrong with stepping into it. The problem occurs when, and, and here's, here's a twist and you guys have probably seen it. If somebody decides that I want to do my best to end hunger and poverty. I'm going to sell out to it. I'm going to live as a minimalist. I'm going to give all the money I can to knock out as much hunger and poverty as I can. I'm going to go serve on missions trips, and I'm going to dig wells, and I'm going to try to find ways to help feed people. Nothing wrong with that. The problem occurs when we stop saying, what can I do to do my part to fix the issue? And it starts when we say, why aren't you doing more for this issue that I'm passionate about? When that twist occurs, now we're looking at something through the wrong lens. Okay? It's not gospel motivated anymore. Now we've taken an issue 
and we've made it a cause that sets outside of the proper balance and flow. And we've said, this right here is more important than this right here. And you're wrong for not giving this more attention than the other needs that are represented in the world. And in a biblically correct worldview, you can't do that because they're all equally important, okay? So you have to address the issues the best that you can with all the love that you can, but you have to do it with the right motivation, and it has to point back to Jesus. And it can't come out here because this is where the division comes in, okay? Now we begin to debate with other people because you don't see the issue the way that I do. Why can't you get on board with this? Why can't you, you know, whether it's, hunger, whether it's how we deal with, with um, finding homes for the orphanage. Christian persecution is a huge one. Do you know that more Christians have been tortured and martyred for their faith in the last 100 years of history than in all of history combined up until this point? It's a huge, huge crisis that nobody's talking about right now. But that has to stay in balance with the others. If not, then we've got a cause over here that's going to create dysfunction and division eventually in the kingdom of God. And guys, we can't do that. I was on the phone with a pastor buddy of mine last week who was just, I mean, almost crying because he's got incredible division in his church right now over this kind of silliness because people have forgotten the big picture. We've got to keep the big picture. And it doesn't mean that we don't address these things, but we address these things to lead people to Jesus in light of everything that we know about biblical principle through the light of eternal perspective. And it makes a difference. I've got a couple of questions that'll give you some really good filter for what you might be focused on in your life right now. Because I know I'm talking about filters and I'm talking about politics. Again, we got to come to church and hear about politics. It's bad enough that I put on ESPN and I got to hear stupid politics on my sports channel when I come to church. And sometimes you just got to talk about this stuff. Guys, because God is calling us to focus as a church. Okay? And you need to be thanking God that you've got a pastor who loves you enough to stand up here at great risk to relationships and look you in the eyes and tell you the truth. We don't need to be distracted on this pettiness. We need to be focused on the mission that God has called us to as a church. Okay? Now, first question is this. All right? Who have you loved enough lately to tell about Jesus? Why would you ask this question, Josh? Well... It's a good question to ask in church, I guess. <laughs> but the Bible says this, out of the abundance of the heart, mouth speaks. Okay? I wonder how many of us have talked a lot about politics because that's what's in our heart. I wonder how many of us have talked about mask, no mask, because that's what's dominating our heart. I wonder how many of us have talked about social issues out of balance because that's what's dominating our heart right now. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If Jesus has captured your heart, if you are in line spiritually living by biblical principles out of an eternal perspective, understanding the mission that God has called us to, to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus and make disciples of all the nations, then that fruit 
should be evident in your life and it should be evident in your conversation because it's in your heart. What you talk about the most dominates your heart. It's the headline of what's going on in your heart. So, who have you loved lately enough to tell about Jesus? Probably we told a lot of people about politics. Another question is this. When was the last time you led someone to Christ? Now, these are hard questions to ask in the church. And I know you guys watching online, these are tough questions to have to, to ask and have to give answers to because we love coming to church and we love receiving the worship and the ministry and, and all of this stuff and learning about the Bible. But at the end of the day, this is what the Bible says, that you will know them by their what? Their fruit. So if I'm living a life that is lined up biblically with an eternal perspective on point with the mission that God has given me individually as the church to reach as many people as I possibly can, then there should be some fruit on that limb somewhere. I should be talking about Jesus and I should be leading people to Jesus because I should be producing that fruit in my life. See, and what we're seeing right now in the church is a huge falling away. So I know if I were to ask this question to the country, there'd be a lot of crickets in the background. These are very deep and confrontational and introspective kind of questions. If you cannot give good answers to these questions, listen, I love you. Everybody look at me. Look at your pastor. Everybody online, look at me right now. I love you. I love you. And I know I'm putting my relationship at risk with you right now. And I know you could go down the street to any other church that you wanted to where somebody's not going to look at you and say this. But if you cannot say that you're actively talking to people about Jesus, it says something about your heart. And if you cannot point to the last time you led someone to Jesus personally, it says something about the level of your spirituality and your focus. And you're becoming incredibly close to the group of people that the Bible talks about in the last days where it says they will have a form of godliness but deny its power. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for this church. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for you guys watching online. And I know, boy, it just got real serious and real, real sobering here, here at the end. But listen, the truth is just the truth. What lens are we looking at life through? What lens are we looking at life through? Because this is what the Bible says. In Revelation chapter 20, Revelation is given to us so that we know how all of this stuff is going to play out so that when we see it happen, we don't get caught up in the chaos so that we can stay Focus on what God has called us to do as the church. Revelation 20, starting at verse 11, it says this. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, 
And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Listen to this line now. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. At the end of all of this, it's either going to be we rule and reign with Christ forever or we spend eternity in the lake of fire. One of two destinations, guys. For every politician, for every family member, for every co-worker, for every person walking this earth right now, we're either going to burn for eternity in the lake of fire or have an opportunity for redemption through Jesus Christ. We don't get to choose who that's available to. We're called to reach this world. How can we sit by in complacency and apathy consumed by the distractions of this world when we've been called to reach this world for Jesus Christ? You remember? Just stop for a second and remember that Jesus who hung on that cross, who breathed his last breath for you and for me, There is nothing more important in this world than the church of Jesus Christ accomplishing the mission that Jesus gave us as his church to go into the world, tell them the good news of the gospel, that there's a Jesus that gave his life, not to get caught up in the distraction, but to be in the world, not of the world. Guys, today God's calling us to focus. You guys watching online, whether you're watching it today or maybe you're watching this later on in the week, God's calling you to focus. It's not about believing in God or going to church. It's do you have a real relationship with Jesus? And if you do, then you ought to be able to tell by what comes out of your mouth and by the fruit of your life. If it's not there, then either the relationship isn't there or you're distracted. Okay, church, we cannot afford to be distracted anymore. Amen? So, this is what I want to do. You know, in, in moments like this as, as a preacher or a pastor, you can, you can hop up and spit fire and bring the fire and bring judgment and bring guilt if you push too hard. And I don't want to do that because the Holy Spirit operates through conviction. And He puts His finger on our hearts. And he shows us what needs to change and what needs to be adjusted. I want to call this church to focus, to see this world through the correct lens. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to be diving into the book of Revelation. And we're going to be looking at what's going to play out and what may already be playing out in society today. Um, that lines up with end time prophecy. It's going to be very sober. It's going to be very exciting too. Because that means we're getting pretty close to this stuff wrapping up. But that also means that we got a lot of people to reach for Jesus Christ. Amen. So if you will, everyone in this place, I want you to stand to your feet. I'm going to ask the band to come up here. And the band's going to lead us in part of a song of worship. And this is what I want to do for the next few minutes. Everybody stay focused. Hadn't this been a powerful day today in the presence of God? I want to end this day in the presence of God. Now, I know 
that you probably just like me, the Lord's been convicting me of stuff all week this week that I've had to get right in my life. And I've been fasting and I've been praying for you guys that he would speak and do the same thing for you because I don't want you to leave today feeling like you've just been condemned by a pastor for not being enough. I want to put a challenge in front of you and say, hey guys, we can do better. We can step into the calling that God's put on our lives on a whole new level. And we can set aside the distractions and get focused on who he's called us to be and reach as many people as we possibly can. I don't want you to feel condemned. I want you to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but I want you to get excited about the promise of what God is fixing to do in and through your life. He's worthy, amen? It's all about him. Everything we do is because of him. So you guys watching online, I want to challenge you the same way I'm going to challenge everybody here. Let's just close our eyes. I want to pray over you before the band plays. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just come before you with all these wonderful people. Father, I ask, Lord, that you cause us to search our hearts in a very deep and introspective way, to look at our motivations, to look at the fruit of our lives, Father. God, we don't want to stand before you and be found to be a hypocrite. God, we don't want those that we love and that we care about to have to spend an eternity separated from you in the lake of fire because we were too consumed by what's happening in the world to point them to Jesus. We pointed them to politics. We pointed them to issues. We pointed them to to social injustices. And we pointed them to all the craziness that was going on in the world. But we forgot to point them to the one thing that matters most. God, don't let that be the testimony of our lives. So, Father, in this moment, Lord, we just surrender everything to you all over again. Lord, if we need to, Lord, we just recommit our lives to you all over again. Father, we repent. Lord, for letting politics dominate our heart and dominate our thoughts. Lord, for letting issues dominate our heart and dominate our thoughts. You can look back and see the track record of that, but we can't see changed lives. We can see arguments. We can see debates on Facebook. We can see division in the church, but we can't see changed lives. Lord, let our lives line up with your word so that we can produce the fruit that you called us to produce, Father. So, Lord, we surrender it all to you right now. And as the band leads us in this song, I just want you to lift up your hand and worship God. Whatever you need to do in this moment, do it in this moment. Let God pour his love on you, pour his grace on you. Let the Holy Spirit do his work in your life. Let him bring about the change that needs to happen. Father, I pray that you equip with power this morning. Father, equip us with power to be the witness that you called us to be, Lord. Pour your spirit out in us.